Hi, I'm Dr. Farah Kamengar. We're at the SF Derm Eczema Symposium and 100 year celebration, very momentous occasion for the society. And we're so lucky to have two of the best doctors here with us. Thank you both for agreeing to be here. Oh, I am gonna read the full bio because you're both so impressive that I think we need to take the time to fully read it. So Dr. Lindy Fox is a professor of clinical dermatology, director of the hospital consultation service, and director of the Complex Medical Dermatology Fellowship in the Department of Dermatology at the University of California, San Francisco. It's an amazing department that both of you are from. Her areas of expertise are inpatient and complex medical dermatology. Dr. Fox is a founding member and past president of the Society of Dermatology Hospitalists. Dr. Fox is the prior president of the Medical Dermatology Society and Pacific Dermatology Association. She began her service on the AED Board of Directors in March 2021. In addition to her academic work, Dr. Fox is co-founder of the Vetted Derm Lab, a hypoallergenic skincare company, which is what we're here to discuss today. And Dr. Bato, you guys are both so impressive, <laughs> has an active clinical practice in allergic contact dermatitis, patch testing, and general dermatology. She's vice chair of clinical affairs at UCSF and director of the Occupational and Contact Dermatitis Clinic where she brings her expertise in contact dermatitis to patients referred for patch testing and complex inflammatory dermatoses. She's also executive medical director at UCSF Health. In addition to her dermatologic academic pursuits, Dr. Bato is a co-founder of Vetted Derm Lab, a hypoallergenic skincare company. I'm <laughs> so happy to have you both here. And the reason I went over the entire bio in detail is because I think this combination I, I don't think exists anywhere else where you have two professors who have this amazing of a background, this amazing knowledge base, and literally come up with the studies and peer review trials for contact dermatitis, making that huge gap between academic medicine and then where the rest of us just get our skincare. And there's this, then this gap for the longest time and the two of you have, and with a third partner, actually, right? I should mention her mm -hmm. too. Well, yes, Dr. Karina Woodruff. Yes, sorry. So yeah, the three of you have just really closed this gap. And I'm so excited to see it. I am like hoping the future of skincare is this, that we're getting it from the people who know what to do and what's safe for you and what's healthy. So thank you for both being here. Um, so we can start anywhere in the journey. I'm just curious. Where did it kind of start from? And um, I guess where the thoughts started from and then the, sure. starting the action potential to actually making it happen and, and that. You know, um, a lot of it was serendipity and a lot of it was um, being with the right person at the right time. Nina had asked me to be her mentor, um, which was a great honor for me. And I thought, well, how did I get so lucky? So we'd go on these walks and we would talk and I started to develop a rash and I said to her, think something's up. I can't get myself better. She's like, we should patch test you. So she patch tested me and I was allergic to many things. And I said to her, so what can I use? And she said, well, there's really not that much out there, um, especially not necessarily directed by a dermatologist. And it just became so obvious that dermatologists want products that they feel are safe for their patients. And we are the best people to come up with that. And you said so beautifully that there's this huge gap. The other piece was, why is it not the academicians, the people who are thinking about this from a scientific level all the time? Why is it not those people who decide what is safe for skin and what isn't instead of the next you know, influencer or TV personality 
starting a skincare line without the knowledge that we have. So we looked at each other and we said, wow, um, our patients really need this. Dermatologists need this for their patients. So let's do it. And then it was, oh, we're really going to do it. And then we did, um, which is amazing, which is the whole other journey. There is like between the thought and the we did it. It's like there's a lot that goes in there in the middle. There's a lot that goes in there. Yeah. Yeah. And that that the lot that goes in there has been like the totally humbling part, right? Because it was like, okay, we got this. Like, we're in the ingredient weeds. Like, we know about actives, and like, we're really into irritancy, and we're really into allergenicity, and we got all that. Okay, but like, how do you how do you how do you make something? And that has been really exciting and a huge huge learning curve, and we're still on that on that journey. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different yeah. way of, of of learning and doing things. Yeah. But, but also, also the creative, creative part was actually something I was unexpected and really a really amazing part of the journey has been being able to decide what you want something to look like, how you want it to interface with the world, what you want the impression to be. Sustainability was a big part of our pillars. And so we wanted everything to be in glass, which um, is Hard. difficult <laughs> to do. Maybe expensive to ship. It's expensive to ship. Um, it's expensive to source. Um, nobody does it. But the bottles are so cool because I have, you've, you've sent me some and they're amazing. They are very, they're very different. So it's, it's worth the extra extra effort. Thank you for, for saying that, for noticing. We get a lot of good feedback on on the packaging and it was very intentional, but that was also part of the creative process. Um, something else that came up that's just worth talking about is, you know, a lot of uh, skincare that's out there is reverse engineered or white labeled, which basically means that you can say to a company, a, a manufacturing lab, I like this product. Can you please make it for me, but tweak it a little bit so that it can become mine and I can stick my label on it. Okay. Or the company, the, the manufacturer company themselves makes a bunch of different creams, moisturizers, wherever you want. And then they say, well, I have this, we can just stick your name on and that's called white labeling. So it comes from them, but you get to stick your name, name on it. And what we've come to understand is that there are a lot of ingredients that are well-known, work really well with other ingredients, are not problematic from a chemist's perspective, but are very problematic from a dermatologic perspective. And trying to keep those out of products is very difficult to do. So they have to find a laboratory and a manufacturer that's willing to actually handpick and exclude certain ingredients and include certain other ingredients. And there aren't that many labs that will do that with you on a small scale to yeah. start. And what's that process been like? Are you just interviewing labs and taking tours? Well, that that process was also hard. <laughs> In, in the sense that, you know, we were really picky um, and we were formulating these things by hand and every single ingredient we vetted. I mean, that's where that's it's literally, the that's literally the you know, and so based on the data, based on the scientific data. So like what was, you know, toxicity profile, irritancy profile, irritancy profile. And then, of course, like it had to do what it, you know, it had. What, did it actually do anything? And work well, well with other ingredients. Yes. And so and so we actually had to fire our first lab because they were like actually you guys are just kind of a lot and we were like but that's we what are it takes a lot to create a good product <laughs> and we're gonna stay a lot because yeah. it's when I mean, we we designed this line and we created this line to solve a clinical problem for all the patients that we all as dermatologists see coming in every day made sick by the products that they're using and i lindy said this and i'll just amplify it we 
I couldn't ever figure out as a passionist or like, you know, people would come in with all these things. It's like, why does it seem so hard to make the products that I would want out there? And it's because there's a disconnect between the chemists that are in those labs and they're really good at the viscosity and they're really good at the color and the, the fragrance, which we don't do, but, um, you know, and so they're really good at like, you know, putting that recipe together for what it's supposed to look and feel like, but they don't take into consideration the thing that things that we as dermatologists are really thinking about, which is all of that science and data that we bring to the table. Yeah, that, it's actually so interesting. So we're talking about skincare, but we had a couple other talks today where there's this kind of an overlying arch of there are these things happening and there's this like business of dermatology and the dermatologist is like removed from it. We found that in like technology, in skincare and all the insurance, prior auths, all this, like all these things are being done. But I think because we demand excellence and that it be done correctly, yeah. it's almost just easier to go maybe to like an influencer and put the white label on. Yeah, on no, the you bottle. bring up such an interesting that. point. And I think it's really worth talking about why are two academicians, I'm a hospitalist dermatologist, like if your skin is falling off, call me, I'll take care of you. Why would I make a skincare line? Um, and that's because we need to take it back. We need to, we need to own the space. And I frankly got really annoyed that we didn't own it and that there wasn't something out there that felt like it would be something that we would want to use and could trust. There are a lot of drugstore hypoallergenic skincare lines, but they're not hypoallergenic enough, actually, when you really That's study true. those ingredients. That's really true, yeah. Which um, shouldn't be the case, right? It shouldn't be the case. So somebody has to care enough to change the, the dialogue or change the conversation. You're actually right. We, have, we all have these patients that come in and you give them that list of like, well, these will be okay. And they come back and they're like, it wasn't okay. And then I'm like, well, here's some Vaseline. I try to say Vaseline in a fancy way. I'm like, well, this is all we have left. <laughs> but it's true. That's kind of all we have. And then, then some patients don't want to use that either because they read something somewhere. But there's really nothing. It's true. It, it's very hard as a dermatologist because then the patients in there just frustrated. Yeah. And I mean, and there's this whole other element that I think that we as dermatologists aren't, especially like we, we aren't used to talking about, which is like we're focused on the safety and the efficacy. And, and I think that's what you were alluding to, Lindy, which is like, you know, those drugstore products, like, okay, well, this is where I'm supposed to go to get my safety and efficacy that this is what the, you know, the Vaseline, my, my dermatologist recommended. But like, there is a multi-billion dollar beauty beauty industry out there and that's there to serve some people who want it like it's not multi-billion dollar for no reason right like it is there because people want an experience and so that experience of like trusted safe efficacious and also an elevated skincare experience does not exist and i think that is like very much the niche that we fill which is that there's no reason that lindy when she came and was Pasha said, and I was like, well, you can use the Vaseline and the, you know, our little dermatology list. She was like, but I want to have this human experience too, which is why this industry is so big. And I think that we do need to serve those people too. Absolutely. It's probably even because we know contact dermatitis happens because you've used something for years. Like everybody should just be using hypoallergen products. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to get to the point where you're allergic. Yeah, it's not like and... the information isn't out there. It's just that the oh, beauty industry is not interested in using it yeah. to inform what they what they create. And and what do you guys think about clean beauty? Like these, these terms. These terms <laughs> that are thrown out there. <laughs> what does that mean? We've actually written an entire op-ed really? that we have written. Okay. That we have sent we've to got the to, We've got to, we've got to send it. We've got to send it. We've got to send it. Yeah, we've got to send there. We're, you know, 
it, I think that's what makes it also hard, right? And I think it's what's hard about cutting through the noise is like these terms that get thrown around and I think are really triggering for dermatologists like clean beauty, you know, natural, hypoallergenic, like they're, they're really pretty meaningless. There's right, not so a real, they're a marketing app tool. And I think that is really confusing for consumers and patients. And I think it's also like just triggering for us because we're trying to like get through the weeds of it all and like actually make relevant, safe and efficacious recommendations. I loved what you said that about that contact dermatitis, you know, can happen at any time. And so, you know, we are a hypoallergenic line. And I think that only a dermatologist like you is going to be like, yeah, but it makes a lot of sense because like you should use the hypoallergenic stuff so you don't get, so you the, don't con get right? the contact because dermatitis. We do know that like the, you, right. So, so, so that all makes a lot of sense, but so, and we do see ourselves that way, but that's, that message is hard. I think, yeah. I, as a dermatologist, of course, like you're like, right, makes total sense. But I think for for consumers and patients, it's like, yeah, but I don't know, I'm good. It's like, well, you're good right now, but like, you know, who knows? But it might not right? always be that yeah. way, right? So we do see ourselves as for everyone. Yeah. And then the whole mission is, you know, a mission statement is um, aspirational, right? And so our, our aspiration is actually to upend the clean beauty movement and to have dermatologists define what that really means, because it really should not be um, a business endeavor. It should be based on science, right? right. And the people who really know. And how many times do patients come into your office at the end of every visit? It's so what would I re what should I use? Everybody, right? Everybody. You know, what, yeah. Yeah. Tell me yeah. what I really need. And wouldn't it be nice if there was something out there that answered those questions that if you didn't have access to a dermatologist, you could still find that product. Why? Or you could still find something that you could trust and believe in. And it was determined by somebody um, or a group of people in our case yeah. who have figured out what that science is and delivered it to somebody rather than an influencer, an influencer or a big yeah. pharma company or... You know, I think you, you have started a movement, really, because I think it takes a lot of courage, probably, to be in that very strict academic kind of environment, but then to try to close this gap. And did you guys have any issues with that? And were there is any obstacles know, there? Actually, everyone's been kind of you know. I think dermatologists understand it probably, and they're just yeah. like really please, terrified. Please do, I'm like, please do this for us. <laughs> it was so funny, like you know, some of our like dear friends at UCSF and people that we were like, oh gosh, like, and they're like close friends, and we, you know, we kind of had this like little hush hush secret, and when we finally kind of came out to some of our close friends, they were like, that's so great, you yeah, know, like. Right. like Okay, like it's a bell. Okay, we, and they got it. And they're like, well, who better to do it than you? And we were like, really? Okay, great. You know, and it just felt. Med Derm Society. Yeah. Contact Derm Society. People were into yeah. it. And that, I think, just speaks to the fact that we've been all waiting for something yes. yeah. that we can yeah. give to our patients. We, like Nina said, made this because there was a problem we were trying to fix. Um, and we really think we're serving dermatologists and our patients. It feels like very mission-driven. And very um, service oriented. I know it's a business, and we're yeah, not saying it's not, but there is a good a, a good service that we're providing for for our patients Absolutely. and for dermatologists. It's amazing what you guys are doing, and it's really just kind of you're right. Like it's the beginning of starting this mission, and I think probably why a lot of dermatologists resonate with this is they probably are just a little bit sick of that this all being kind of taken away mm -hmm. out of derm, and then. When you're trying to talk to a patient, there's that kind of battle almost. They're like, "Well, I read this," and you're like, "Well, I've TikTok told me," and you're That's like, right. no. <laughs> "We all have, we all have that happen know, over and over again." And we gotta have that authoritative voice back. 
And I think it starts with movements like this. It's literally just education and having the products out there. So, and with, so that we always end this, end our podcast with, uh, or any last thoughts before I ask our last question? I would want to say the hardest thing, one of the hardest things has been the social media piece. I, oh, I'll just start out there. Not, that's not our only thing. It's, it's hard to um, put yourself out there um, in a way that it, um, is, is not speaking to our peers, right? So it's less comfortable. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. That, that's been yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> that's been something. Yeah. It was a big band-aid that we had to rip just, off just and we, we waited to the last it. possible minute to rip it off and, and the one good thing is with this it's it's so derms want this so badly that you almost could just stick within the derm network for the longest time and just have it in every derm office first and then that by itself is like the, the best social media yeah, yeah. um like if, so it's just more like business to business rather than even like business to consumer yes. but because i think every dermatologist would love to have this so that would be like the, it'd be easier not, you don't have to do all the social media. But I, I hate social media too, but I need to get over that. I think our ask for dermatologists is to know it exists and to recommend it to your patients who are asking for something for their sensitive skin. Um, you know, we we understand that there are patients who are going to want prescription strike tretinoin and 100%. They can tolerate it, go for it. I mean, but there is a place for this. And if dermatologists know it exists, then our ask is your patient's if you open the door a little bit, you will probably find that your patients want something a little bit more elevated than what they've been getting. Um, and that would be our ask. And then our last question is the future of dermatology podcast. What do you guys think, what would you say is kind of the future? If you, if you were to say one or two things, future of dermatology, could be future of skincare, future of contactor. I said it, right? We're going to upend the skincare industry. We're going to turn <laughs> Me personally, that would, that would be good. That would be great. I would really like to see derms um and I, it's starting to happen have more of a voice in and i think we've just been sort of late to the game and like we're a perfect case study that we're like oh god social media. but if we're not out there that is our space and if we're not out there owning that and if we're not out there you know boosting the things that are correct and and making sure that people are clear that you know debunking the things that aren't we're we're not doing a service to our patients and, you know, just our communities. And so I, I would really love to see, you know, that, to see more um, more derms entering that space and being more comfortable with it and sharing our incredible knowledge. We are the experts and we should be the ones that have the definitive voice um, wherever it may be on these topics. I mean, it's not going away, right? So social media is not going away. Uh, whether we like it or not or participate in it or not, that is the way a lot of people are getting their information. So we should be delivering it to as many people as we can from the trusted sources that we are. Yeah, and I think yeah, hopefully the future will and we can get some of the voice back to dermatology. Yeah. And, and, own it. Yeah. and just own it. Yeah, ours. In, in multiple fields. This is like in tech and skincare yeah. and everything. They should yeah. come to doctors companies or others that should come to the doctors first because we still we still have a lot of knowledge to yeah yeah right and it's just want to thank you, thank you no, thank seeing you. what we were doing and being interested in it and being willing to and take a deeper dive with us oh thank really you both great. and thank you for being speakers at this conference so excited so thank so you excited. thank so you both excited. so much thank you for coming this week <laughs>